boys and ghouls. To celebrate this season, the Boys and Ghouls podcast is covering three Halloween topics. First, we look at the outlier installation of the Halloween franchise. Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Then, don't touch that dial as we revisit those inescapable Halloween commercials that filled the airwaves in anticipation of All Hallows' Eve. Then, stay up late, as Cat and Marshall say, isn't that special, to the Halloween sketches of Saturday Night Live. So, put on your mask as we present our 74th episode, Halloweenies. Three. You want to see something really scary? They come from the bowels of hell, a transformed race of walking dead. Zombies, exploding heads. Psychos, fanatics, murderers, nutcases. Now, do we all agree that what we are dealing with is vampires? I know that one of you is a werewolf. Ain't nothing but dead folks. I want to kill you. The undead. You ever talk to a corpse? Satan is our pal. It's boring. Throw the third switch! Not the third switch! Give my creation! It's all for the best because this um, this lamp just like it'll oh it is oh, I had to unplug it has it died oh oh yeah, god but, but that'll that'll see. oh oh spooky yeah man even your lamp is in the Halloween spirit flickering <laughs> on and off and that's a new bulb so it, the the lamp's done um Catween that's Cat, me Cat Halloween tis the season. Do you remember the year that Target tried to push Halloween weekend because like Halloween was on a weekend that uh-huh. year? Mm-hmm. So it was like Happy Halloween weekend. Yeah. It yeah. was like it's gonna be on a weekend, so yeah. you better triple it up this yeah. year. Yeah. Spend more money with, with Target. Yeah. For this Halloween. It's pretty weekend. smart. I like a punny turn of phrase more than the next guy. So. You do. So for you, Halloween starts in like mid-August. Mm-hmm. Um, but you really kicked it into high gear for this last week. If your Instagram story is any, uh, oh yeah, is any indicator, it's just like as soon as one thing ends, you keep just adding stuff to it. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's been this never-ending packed October so far. All right. So it's for your spooky busy. gab, I yeah. assume you're going to like regale me with what you've been up to. Uh, there's no way to say all of the things, but I will just highlight a couple of things because there's just not enough time for everything. In fact, why don't I just tell you a story of the most magical evening of many Octobers of memory, which like, is to say... Occurred within the last week? Yes. Okay. So Daniel Montgomery, your friend and mine, co-host along with Matthew of Welcome to Deadcast, the Goosebumps podcast. Daniel is also one of the minds behind Creep Los Angeles, which you've been to, and it's this incredible immersive experience. And because Daniel has become such a heavy hitter in the horror community, he gets invited to like really cool stuff. 
And um, he was invited to go to the opening night of Madame Tussaud's first foray into a horror-centric event slash exhibit called Illusions of Horror. Madame Tussaud's is a wax museum. They have several locations throughout the world. Famously. They are kind of the name in wax figures, and they do figures of famous people, and they're very, they look very much like them, and it's very spooky. So Daniel had been invited, and he asked Matthew and I to come along. He had a couple plus ones. And so we joined him, not knowing what to expect. And it was an absolutely delightful evening. They had some free food. They had Lucifer's pizza for free. And they had pepperoni. And then you could also get roasted pumpkin pizza, which I got. It was delicious. At the heart of the party, so they were taking tours through the exhibit. But, like, you could just hang out at the party and then go take the tour when you wanted to. Um, there was a celebrity, self-named, celebrity. Doing I'm doing air quotes kind of clairvoyant named Anita Miranda, who was doing lip readings. So you had to fill out a couple of things and then put on lipstick and kiss a piece of paper and then take it to her and she read your lips. I know. I'm still wearing a bracelet that has a pair of lips on it that she tied around my wrist while she asked me to make a wish. I had to ring a bell for the angels. It was a whole thing. By the way, my 2019 is really going to be a great year for me. Um, she to told that reading. to all of us. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Um, but that was silly and fun. There was a horror oh. burlesque show by a group called the Damn Devils. Looks like devils with a Z. Uh, okay, I see it now. And I highly encourage you, you'll you'd really enjoy. They have an Instagram account with a lot of videos of what they what they do. They had Pennywise and Georgie kind of performance. They had two nuns. They did uh, an Exorcist one. It was a long show they put on, and it was re they were very good. I would pay to go see them again. They're right. great. So we saw that, and um, like the tabletop decorations, they had these candles that were like coffins but then as they melted down there was like a skeleton inside it was just everything about it was sure. very very cool oh and there was a magician named scary larry who like really did some incredible work for me and my friends very impressive magicianry he put like an x on the inside of my hand and i don't know how he did it very cool and then at one point daniel interrupted me to introduce me to his friend john kassir who i i did not know he was friends with who is of course the voice of the crypt keeper Right. And he introduced me to John and his wife, Vanessa, and they were so delightful. And we met them and we were talking to them. And then there was a long line for the exhibit that they were, that was the main event. And he was like, oh, let's go now. And so he got us in with him to go in like in front of everyone, which was very cool. Did he at any point do the voice? Not particularly. I mean, I think he did. A, he lapsed into something at one point as part of a joke. But I think that's just the nature of being like a voiceover person. But I don't think it was quite the Crypt Keeper necessarily. He did mm -hmm. tell me, and I kind of had an out-of-body out experience. I was like, oh my gosh, if Marshall were only here. Um, this, he just, this is how I find out. He just randomly started in on a story about how he used to hang out with Bobby Boris Pickett. Sure. And how he knew him when he was doing like live performances and how he would make his money off of doing that. And that was really surreal. I was like, oh my God, you were just so forthcoming with the, I'm just staring at him thinking, oh my gosh, these, these horror Hollywood stories, I'm losing my mind. Nicest guy on the planet. Really fun. We got along famously and it was really a surreal evening, but the exhibit itself was so cool. We went down, down, down. They had all the, most of the lights off. So mm. before we got to the place where the actual exhibit was, where there was Bela Lugosi's Dracula, there was a Frankenstein, Hannibal Lecter, like a lot of really cool horror stuff. And don't get me wrong, the exhibit was incredible. 
But on the way down there, mm -hmm. our guide had a flashlight and she was leading us through to get to the exhibit and most of the lights were off. And so we're walking by the regular celebrities like John Wayne and, you know, Jim Carrey and Jimmy Fallon and all these things. And it's just very unsettling. And she was yeah. telling us like the things that have happened down there, employees who've reported seeing or hearing or feeling things down there. And it was very spooky all on its own without, you know, I thought they did a really Even good job of that. Even the least spooky wax museum is still pretty spooky. Absolutely. And just imagining, I could imagine being in there as they'd turn the lights off. I would have, I, I was imagining like, what, what would it be like to be an employee shutting down at the end of the night in here? Right. <laughs> mm -hmm. So... All in all, it was uh, it was very very cool, and I you know met the crypt keeper, which is like I don't even know what to tell you. You can, um, just, you can just hang up your sheet right now. You're done with Halloween. I'm done. Drink a Folks, welcome to our third Halloweenies episode. We were doing Halloween by subject, and please check those out, being uh, the history of Halloween and Halloween specials and the like. And then uh, we decided to uh, give a little potpourri, and this is our third one of those, and we're still having fun doing it, so have some fun with us as we discuss, first up, a movie. We're covering Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. And this is our third Halloweenies. Wow. The numbers speak for themselves, Just people. a coincidence. <laughs> First, there was Halloween. Then the terror continued with Halloween 2. Now, Halloween 3. You don't really know much about Halloween witchcraft. The last great one took place 3,000 years ago when the hills ran red. Halloween. The dead might be looking in. The world's going to change tonight, Doctor. Happy Halloween. Halloween 3. Season of the Witch. The night no one comes home. Rated R. It is notable that I've never seen Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. I didn't know this was your first time. Oh, yeah. My first time was a year ago. It's not like I have 20 years on you. I did not see it until this time last year. We've probably been putting it off for like the same reasons. One, we probably haven't heard good things about it. It's sort of notoriously panned. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have Michael Myers in it. Right. And I guess I, I just sort of got a feeling that it was just sort of a payday. And I thought anybody who had anything decent to do with the first movies were just out of it. And that like one guy was holding on to the name rights and was like, well, I'm just going to make this movie that has nothing to do with nothing, but I have the legal ability to release to call it, it Halloween 3. three to yeah. release it under the Halloween banner. So I may as well make a little money off of that. Right. Uh, it's cynical, but, you know, that happens. So, as it turns out, though. Yeah, not the case. Right. I do still think, in retrospect, that it would have probably pissed people off at least a little less if they'd maybe called it Halloween colon Season of the Witch rather than Halloween 3. Because oh, that see. would have maybe communicated that it wasn't a sequel. Because when you call something Halloween 3, it sounds like it's a sequel, especially because the first and second films were directly linked. Like, they, one picks up right where the other one's left off. So just don't call it 3 if it doesn't have anything to do yeah. with, but whatever. The idea, and I think the idea came from Carpenter, was to start an anthology. That now that Michael Myers is dead, which at the end of part two, it certainly looks that way. 
because he got blowed up. Right. That the idea was then like let's do an anthology with every Halloween movie being a different type of scary movie on Halloween. And they do reference the first two films, but they are presented as a fictional film. Yeah. Kind of an interesting. Yeah, take they, they on turn it. on the TV and there's an ad for like watch Halloween. But if you recall, back when we did, uh, way back when, the Friday the 13th films, I believe it was Sean Cunningham. Uh Uh-huh. It was his idea that once they wanted to do a Friday the 13th part two, that it would be a whole different kind of film. Still a scary film, but under the name Friday the 13th. But it was higher ups that said, no, summer camp slasher, that's the formula we've struck gold with, so let's stick with that. Right. I really wonder what it would have been like if they'd been able to continue... Uh, his idea got quashed. It never got started. Halloween 3 was not a financial success, so it never went any further. Mm-hmm. That same year, Creepshow came out. And around that same time, anthology shows would pick up steam with that generation of filmmakers. So like Tales from the Dark Side and later Tales from the Crypt. So anthology had its place. Mm-hmm. But as far as an anthology movie to where each movie was a complete different movie what we wound up doing was like movies where it was like three to four stories all in one film right but like american horror story wound up being this is why i I now like season of the witch more than i thought i would is that they brought back the creative forces they just kind of re-scrambled them Mm -hmm. annie from halloween Mm -hmm. came back not in a huge part Mm -hmm. real different character well yeah it's like they try to make her seem like this old mom character and i'm like oh she's still pretty young she sounds just like annie too yeah there's Uh, one point where you hear her on the phone and she goes bye and that's like exactly how she says it to Lori. i'm like oh lord is she capable of a bye that's not sarcastic that's her trademark maybe not yeah and uh, the director, the writer-director, Tommy Wallace. Mm-hmm. What was he before? Was he the, uh, previously? No, in... I think I read this was his directorial debut. Yeah, but he was like the assistant director? Oh, yeah, he was involved. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he was part of all that. And if you include, like, The Fog in this sort of, like, family of filmmakers, they're using the same locations as The Fog, and they're using the star. Dean Cundy is a cinematographer. Dean Cundy's back. John Carpenter's back to do the music. Mm-hmm. Which is fantastic, by the way. This was uh, still the same team, mm-hmm. just trying something new. And it just didn't make as much money as that first really yeah, it great didn't idea tank. they had. It made some money, just not as much as they thought it would. Or... Not Halloween 1 money. Right. All right, roll it. I'm curious to see how you feel about it on a second viewing, because I watched it a year ago and enjoyed it. And then I watched it again a week ago, and... I enjoyed it maybe twice as much the second time around. Maybe it's because I knew what I was getting into the second time around. And I think that's a big I knew where it it. was going. I just was able to appreciate kind of every element of it a little bit more. And gosh, if I don't just love the place it takes it, I think there are just some really iconic, great moments in the movie. And I don't love every bit of it, but man, I really liked it and I will watch it again. Gather round your TV set, put on your masks, and watch. Honey, don't get too close. You'll ruin your eyes. We should sort of briefly state the plot of the yes. film. Watch the magic pumpkin. Watch. There's a scene at the beginning of the film where there's a man running from someone. Yeah. And we see that he has this Halloween mask and they end up killing him or Uh, They almost kill him. They kill him in the hospital. Right. So there are all these hints that somehow these Halloween masks keep showing up, both on television commercials and on people, suspiciously. They're going to 
kill us. And this one man is hunted down and killed in his hospital bed by a mysterious man in a suit. Yeah. Who and then lights himself on fire in the parking lot. That's really disturbing. And it so haunts the doctor on duty who is Tom Atkins, mm -hmm. who is haunted by the fact that on his watch was this grisly murder and then improbable suicide in the parking lot mm -hmm. where he lights himself on fire. Pours gasoline on himself yeah, and lights and whole, himself on fire. Yeah, car blows up. You look like a businessman. He had to be one strong businessman, I can tell you that. You don't just pull someone's skull apart without a little lower arm strength, know what I mean? He hooks up with, both sexually and partner-wise, the daughter of the man who was killed in the hospital bed to go help figure out what happened to him. She couldn't understand why someone would want to murder him. He ran a hardware store. Kindly so store she's owner. she looks through his stuff, finds out that he would go to this town to pick up Halloween masks mm -hmm. from a factory, so they decide to go there to it's, see It's the last place he was seen alive. Right. And while they're there in Santa Mira, they discover this really weird, spooky town where everyone works for the factory. The factory, it's Silver Shamrock. Silver Shamrock. Yeah. And then in the course of kind of probing further, they discover what's really going on in the factory, which is that the man who runs the place has designs on performing this ancient Samhain ritual by basically performing a mass murder of witchcraft and technology which is what the direction they wanted to take neither which is slasher so if they mm -hmm. want to, if you want to get away from slasher you bring in the supernatural and you bring in tech mm -hmm. really which they hired a science fiction writer to write this yes who later had his name taken off right because he didn't like the elements of gore that they added that he felt kind of took away from it you remember our fog um when we talked about the fog and Halloween 2, Halloween 3 kind of, I think, fell in the same boat, which is the gore that was going into horror films, part of a path which I think they helped set off with Halloween 1. Now these sequels and further projects by these filmmakers, they had to just sort of go back and figure out ways to make it gorier just to keep up with the times that they had helped create. So that's the general plot and our lead character trying to prevent, once he understands what's happening, trying to prevent this total destruction of all these people by these Halloween masks that are set to detonate, basically. Not as bombs, but like as like face melters. As curses. As curses. They when they're, they're like curses that are activated by video. By video and probably the sound as well, I guess. Let's say. Of the, yeah. Come on, come on, come on. What's the matter? Don't you have any Halloween spirit? No. I was interested in the kind of through line of the lead character's kind of like unreliability and how that creates problems in his life where yes. he's not there for his kids. It's a running theme. His ex-wife, she's wife. always upset at him because he doesn't come visit the kids when he says he's going to. He keeps making promises he doesn't keep. He's obviously a ladies' man. He's really kind of out for number one, doesn't really think about other people. And so when he finally calls his wife and he's like, you got to get the, take yeah, the masks it, it off the kids. It all leads to that scene. His yeah. drinking never gets in the way of his being a doctor. Right. It never gets in the way of his sleuthing. Oh yeah, he's drink he just, he's a drinker too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So far so good for this guy. But... Except uh, that his personal relationships have suffered. He's not yeah, there for his kids. That's true. And when he calls his well, ex-wife... That, that, that's just it. I think all of that was like, I'm like, these are interesting character details, but when do they pay off? They all pay off when he tries to convince his wife about the danger he's discovered and... She won't listen. And she, she just won't listen. He's the boy who cried wolf. He's got too many strikes against him. She's like, you're just drunk. She thinks he's just calling up drunk from some bar and it's possible in, in a scenario because you never really find out 
that maybe by the end of the film, his kids have bugs for heads. Mm -hmm. Because he couldn't convince his wife due to his horrible track record. Right. Yeah. That really leads to a really horrific reckoning where he ends up seeing consequences for those actions, I guess you could say. Um, When the stakes become so high and there's no turning back, you know, he calls her. And then he's also on the phone at the end, which is just, I just love the way this movie ends, where he's on the phone with like the TV networks. And he's like, take the commercial down and screaming and screaming and screaming because they just... I'm guessing get it all off the air in time. logically it would have to be like the FCC because he's not talking to all three networks at once. Right. So right. and how that conversation went, who can say? Not to mention, I saw people online talking about, you know, time zones like. Yo, this does not hold up. No. Under much logic at all. No, but it's fine. We don't have to worry about that stuff. No. As it's an enjoyable film. If you just keep watching it for the characters and not for the logic of mm-hmm. the overall plan and mm-hmm. its execution. It's a better film. I also personally really enjoy the way that despite the sci-fi overtones, which I enjoy science fiction. Mm -hmm. I'm not as well versed in it, but every time I kind of delve into that genre, I realize how much I love it. But I do love how they brought in the ancient Halloween Celtic Samhain stuff for this. That monologue that what's his face? Yeah, that you see like something on television, a news piece about how the piece of Stonehenge went missing and how did it happen. And then you see he's got these stones set up in the... Just the one. Set up in the bowels of this factory. And they're all working around it. And he gives this beautiful speech about Halloween and rituals. It was the start of the year in our old Celtic lands and we'd be waiting in our houses of wattles and clay. The barriers would be down, you see, between the real and the unreal. And the dead might be looking in to sit by our fires of turf. Halloween. The festival of Samhain. The last great one took place 3,000 years ago when the hills ran red with the blood of animals and children. Did you get the feeling that he was an immortal, that he was actually around for all the old ones, or that he's just some I didn't. witch come lately? I felt like he was one in a long line of witches. Okay. But I think either interpretation is fair. Sure. And the masks have become pretty iconic. Because the other thing is this movie has become kind of a cult. It's got a cult following of its yeah. own now. People are appreciating it now in a way that they didn't at first. And if you have a movie that has Halloween in it, it's pretty easy to like work those masks in as a little... like. Winky wink. Yeah. Enough so, Sumo Dan sent me a still from uh, The Guest. Oh, yeah. In the Halloween dance. In the Halloween dance, yeah. There was like the witch, the, yeah. the pumpkin, and the skull. Yeah. Two of which already existed. Yeah. They just made slight modifications to masks he already had. And yeah. then he created the jack-o'-lantern mask. It was that one. Yeah. yeah I think Don posted yep. it. I was already making those. They're really good masks. They are really good. The idea that there's only three seems like a weird master plan. Yeah. But all right. But the kids in the movie go nuts for him. And yeah. it's such a genius, like, the, the way that the marketing plan they have where they're like, they have this catchy tune that the yep. kids just love and they put on their masks and they're like, hey, make sure to tune in for the big giveaway. Big giveaway. You're going to, the kids want to come and see what they can win. Ah, oh, it's genius. It assumes their night would be over at nine o'clock. Yeah, that part's not so genius. Now, in the Halloween world, you do start trick-or-treating if you go by Halloween part one. Right. Trick-or-treating starts. 4 p.m. Uh, 4 p.m. Yeah. While it's still light out. Fair enough. So 9 p.m., especially if it's a school night, I can see it being back in. 
for the big giveaway. Yeah, the big giveaway. It's almost time, kids. The clock is ticking. Be in front of your TV sets for the horathon. And remember the big giveaway at nine. Don't miss it. And don't forget to wear your masks. The clock is ticking. It's almost time. I just really enjoyed this movie and I think it's so fun and I love that it's got a newfound following. Well, the look behind the curtain really helped me with details of finding out that like it was really the old gang right. putting this together, including Jamie Lee Curtis was the back. voice of the uncredited, uh -huh. the voice of like the operator on the phone. I didn't realize that. Yeah. And the curfew announcer. The curfew announcer. I mind blown. Absolutely. Something I would have liked that I think would have made the movie better for me, which is something you tend to look for, more Halloween. Yeah. In the sense that when they got to the town, the town was appropriately spooky, but I would have really liked... Um, have you ever seen Wicker Man? Shamefully, no. Okay. It's like this town unto itself that has all these old traditions. And I would have liked it if like, he got to the town and instead of being this sort of barren, dried up town, that it was this like super Halloween town. Yeah. But like they would do, because it's supposed to be like a lot of Irish had moved into uh -huh, there. Uh-huh. I would have liked it if they had like old style, not quite pagan, but it's like, oh, this is how we do things in Santa Mira. Uh-huh. You know, once you join in the contest, right. there's always a winner. We've made some soul cakes some for you. Some soul cakes. Yeah. Why all the children love to go souling once a year. Right. I would have loved... And everyone's just overly friendly and obsessed yeah, with Halloween. Of just like a big barn dance yeah. that they go to to get clues. That would have been a way to really up the Halloween right? ante. I fully concur. Uh, yeah. That would have been great. Uh, yeah. What am I going to do? I don't know. Maybe they'll remake it sometime. Call me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, what, what can you do? Go back in time and rewrite it? <laughs> but we but we all have these feelings of just like, oh, if I was only in on that story session when I was like seven years old. <laughs> I would have steered them right. Yes. <laughs> the ending, it's almost got a couple of endings. I thought that he had sort of solved everything because, and again, this is a pretty flawed film if you try to work out its own logic. Part of which is they're still working at the factory even after the last mask has already been shipped. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Right. They're still like working on that piece of Stonehenge. Yeah. And there's all these banks of monitors with these silver shamrock commercial that's supposed to activate the masks. I assumed their HQ was the one that was sending out the commercial. And once he got rid of that setup, then everything would be fine. Right. Until he's like driving away and later the commercial's still airing. So I'm like, okay, then he managed to get rid of people who had already finished their job and escaped the plant. So yeah. that's a success. I thought this was like blowing up the Death Star because there was all these banks of monitors mm -hmm. that were all showing the commercial. Why? Yeah. If the commercial was already airing, it was coming from the TV station. So it wasn't coming from there. So they were just like... Uh, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Oh, I heard that they filmed several endings, or a few endings, and I guess the like different endings don't quite match up if you Interesting. try to stick one with another. Yeah. But with a little ingenuity, and a real Scooby-Doo moment, by the way, when they try to... I laughed out loud. <laughs> when they're trying to sneak past carrying a, a rack of masks, and they're just like... Doo -doo 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 -doo. Like, that's, that's what Shag and Scooby would do. Yeah. 
then the big ending. They're back at the same gas station that the guy was at before, and now he's the frantic one. For some reason, kids are trick-or-treating at the gas station. Sure. Sure. No, no, I can't prove it. You've got to believe me. Believe me. Take it off the air now, please. You've got to at least... Here's a Tuesday interruption. We're having technical problems. Please stand by. So he's there on the phone, talking to television. Yeah. Being like, get the... Get it off the air. Uh, he's very much like the ending of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. A kid comes in, starts watching it. Just for my own sake, so I won't have to fight a snake, I would have taken the mask off the kid. If not even to save the child. Uh-huh. Even if that was secondary. You just don't want just scarab so beetles to... and snakes crawling up your pant legs? Exactly. Yeah, I think that's fair. But uh, he was uh, awful wrapped up at that point. And that's how they end it. Yeah. With him screaming. I'd like to go back for a quick moment to something I, I admire about the film, which I'd always given full marks to the movie Scream, where someone is watching Halloween, mm-hmm. the film Halloween, mm-hmm. and they just use the music from the movie he's watching to serve as the tense music for the scene. Yeah. Look behind you. Look behind you. Turn around. Behind you. And even later, I think. Like, like oh, even later, yeah. Nev Campbell's kind of creeping through the house, and, and rather than have... Even Dewey is coming through the house, and it's on. Yeah. Yeah, and rather than have the film score add tension, they just use the film score that's already coming from the television. Yeah. And I always thought that was uh, quite nice. I didn't realize it had been done by, of all things... Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, Mm -hmm. where he's trying to escape his bonds and they stick him in front of the TV where they're playing the movie Halloween. Mm -hmm. And its music acts for his scene. It's a really nice touch. It is really nice. I don't know if that makes Scream even better as a secondary homage or worse as being a little less original than I thought they were. Right. Uh, Season of the Witch. Any final thoughts? Final thoughts are just that I've developed a real appreciation for it. I think it's really fun. There's more Halloween-y stuff in it. Maybe not as much as I'd like, but more than I would have ever thought. And I'm not sure if I'll watch it every year, but I, if I heard someone hadn't seen it, yeah. I'd show it to them. I'd watch it again with people. Yeah. Yeah. And that song gets stuck in your head. Boy, don't it. And Boy, I'm howdy. surprised we, uh, we went this far without, like singing in or talking about it. Oh, I know you'll be dropping that in. More than likely because our next topic is Halloween commercials. By the way, I went really far into researching for this topic without realizing, like, Halloween commercials. Halloween 3 is basically about a killer commercial. That's right. So I don't know if that was their intention. Like, what are the tropes of Halloween? Uh, Pumpkins and trick-or-treating and commercials. Probably not. We certainly have decided that it is. Yes, But I do think there is something in much the same way that, you know, we talked about Dawn of the Dead as like a consumerism consumerism. and Halloween three definitely speaks to kind of the rabid nature of consumers and especially children. I don't know about you, but the bulk of the commercials that I watched, Halloween commercials were 80s and 90s commercials. Yeah. And during that time period, it was just such a boom time for products, especially geared towards kids, food products, toys. Mm -hmm. It was just a 
the real crest of a wave of like, I need this thing. Kids, make sure to get this. Kids, make sure to get your parents' permission before yeah. you call this number. Hey, kids. And it was just, there was so much I of that going on. I was, I was just watching some before you came over and a Ghostbuster cereal actually slipped in. Gotta have it gotta have it. I mean, they did not mince words with that language. It was very prescriptive. It was like, you need this and you need to go get it. This Halloween, capture your ghosts and goblins on genuine Kodak film from Thrifty. Remember, the sharper you want your memories, the more you need Kodak film and Thrifty. Our researching was just all on YouTube for these Halloween commercials where a lot of them live and there's these whole big collections that are just invaluable. And we've discussed a lot on this podcast, like home video culture. Yeah. When it came to like recording stuff at home and part of the appeal was watch one thing, record another. And another was you can go out and it'll record it for you and it'll be ready when you come home. But a lot of us who are just like recording things to preserve. Hmm. So like now I own Thunderball because they showed it on ABC. We would go out of our way to edit out the commercials. There was so many. You'd sit there and record it and pause the recording when the commercial. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you had to press stop. Uh Uh-huh. But there was so much leaping out of the couch and like predictive, like you could feel when it was about to come back on the air or you get that bumper that would say like, and now back to the million dollar movie. And you're like, press record, press record. I and people like myself burn so many calories trying to edit out the commercials. And now? Now that's the only part anybody cares about. Yeah. And the people who would just like record like a Superman marathon and then just show the commercials Those are like the heroes of this century. Matthew had me over to watch an episode of Buffy or something. He had been to his parents and gotten some VHS tapes from his childhood. And a big part of the fun of it was watching those commercials. It's the Pizza Head Show. Hey, everybody. I'm on my way to Pizza Hut to get a Goosebumps Kids Pack. Yay! For whatever reason, I've always been drawn to old advertisements. If I'm listening to an old radio program and an ad comes on for ironized yeast make sure to take your ironized yeast tablets i'm like what in the hell is that i end up going down a rabbit hole researching what the hell's being advertised because i don't understand it i feel like you learn more about a society maybe not more but more than you think by looking at what's being advertised to them how it's being advertised to them either as a thing they definitely need to have how they like to see themselves absolutely and how they did see themselves because of the way someone was telling them they should Tired of wearing the same old face Halloween after Halloween? Why not try a Fright Night nose mask from Bud and Bud Light? There's Batface, Scary Witch, Mr. Pumpkin, and Big Black Cat. And so I think commercials in general, but especially Halloween commercials, part of the reason that Halloween is such a huge freaking deal nowadays to Mm -hmm. adults as well is because when we were kids, we had these commercials that were so saturated in Halloween and and Halloween-y stuff. Okay, look at Halloween commercials specifically. They were sort of like a primer for a lot of things in horror movies. In the laboratory of Dr. Frankenstein, something incredible was created. The great taste of pure milk chocolate and delicious peanut butter. I got pretty far into my life before actually watching the Universal Monster movies. Same. But we all knew Dracula and Frankenstein and like that Bride of Frankenstein hair. And I think... For sure. Part of that, I mean, they're all over the place, really. But a lot of that would come in through these commercials. I couldn't agree with you more. I think that is such an important point you're making. That that is where we learned the I mean, tropes of these. They weren't um, out to educate movies. young right. kids in the classic monsters. They were just out to sell some products. Mm-hmm. But that's and they're what playing on happening. tropes that would have been familiar probably to our parents. Yeah, and a type of horror 
that you know by the 80s which is i think when a, a lot of what we were studying kicked off slashers was the name of the game slashers aren't kid friendly not really but classic you but know classic yes spooks. master that's yeah. that's fine igor karloff dracula the peter lorry voice i definitely learned the peter lorry voice 100% from television commercials hallmark's ready for halloween and you know it's the strangest thing everybody's wild about new scratch and sniff stickers it was just like teaching us the basics they weren't out to do that but it kept it in the ether it kept it in the zeitgeist we absorbed and learned those tropes and the, those characters such that by the time you watched a classic monster movie like that, you, you're like, oh, this is very familiar because you understood what they did and were. We're waiting for you. Great Halloween parties begin at Walgreens. Candy, party decorations, masks, costumes, makeup. It's just an observation, and I don't know if it's just the collections I was watching, but it seems to me that Walgreens is a company that makes a lot of Halloween commercials. That's, that's Maybe it's because they have something to offer in that realm. The Spirit Halloween store didn't mm -hmm. open until 1983. And it took a while for the business model to take off as pop-up Halloween stores. Before that, the local drugstore yeah. was the place. and You and got your pumpkin carving stuff. You got your costumes. Your costume, the you candy. got candy. Scary sound-activated Halloween figures, battery-operated pirate skull, witches, skeletons, and more. A lot of them would be for, like, drugstores, or there would be a product... And Get them at your fine drugstore I've never heard of. Drugstore I've never heard yeah. of. Drugstore I've never heard of. I was like, what's up? Plinkies or whatever. <laughs> there were so many that I was like, these are local chain drugstores and I have no idea what they are. Yeah, well, a lot of it would be like, but the narrators were usually either scary storytelling voice, which is like, you know, deep in the forest, or just kind of an ooh, ghost voice, or Karloff, you know, if you pick up all seven right now... <laughs> Get a free one. Yeah. Or the Dracula voice. Come to Taco Bell. Yes. Or the Peter Lorre voice. Uh-huh. Those Pick are the big ones. Pick them up in all seven colors. Yeah. yeah. So they would put out these boilerplate I know what you're going to say. And they'd be like, available for a limited time. Now available at the following locations. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Plinkies, plinkies, and four other places you never heard of. One of my favorite, yes, I knew you were going to say that, and I'm laughing so hard because I remember one commercial that was like that. It was like, very well produced. And then it's like, the audio changes, yeah. and it's like clearly like a local TV announcer, and there's like a buzz that wasn't there that's yeah. like bad quality, and she's just like, you can pick these up at your four local blah, blah, blah. Pick them up now. And it's just, it's so jarring, but like, you're right, they would produce this commercial Go and to pass Bobo's it along to the local markets and then they would stitch on their you and, know and sometimes they, they pop the up those graphics yes um, yeah like local drugstores very charming pumpkin light makes halloween safer than scary this year pumpkin light is available at osco purity supreme spags and leewards it was the local commercials that hit safety a lot of things would sell you safety i think it's important to lay this out because you sent me sort of your initial observations about a bunch of commercials you'd watched. Yeah. And you said... Um, Sumo Dan helped with this. Okay. Shout out to Sumo Dan. That there were commercials for actual Halloween items. Yeah. Halloween versions of regular products. Regular products can tame the monster. Yeah, it can like satiate the monster. Yep. Horror used to sell mundane products. Adult commercials like beer commercials. And safety tie-ins. Mm -hmm. And you and I both hit on a commercial for... One product in particular that like really stuck with us yeah. as far as a safety product. Mostly go. these safety products were local things. Even if it had like a chain, it was like 
come to your local Madison, Wisconsin Burger Kings and pick up this free disposable flashlight. Right. Or um, bags that were like brightly colored. Uh-huh. Or Easter Seals would push safe coupons. And I'm like, safe coupons? Yeah, because everyone thought your candy would come with needles in it. Mm-hmm. So coupons to then go to like a fast food restaurant were considered safe compared to needle infested. A safe thing to hand out. Yeah. yeah no one's going to put LSD in your coupons. I didn't think about the coupons as a safety thing. I did see some coupons. I thought that was kind of interesting. It was like, you can pick up a book of coupons for $20 for a hundred and each one is worth a soda at Burger King. You know, and they know that yeah. if, if the parent brings the kid in with their coupon, they're probably going to buy more food. And remember, be safe this Halloween. Wear light colored costumes, be extra careful crossing streets, and ask your parents to check your treats and throw out any unwrapped ones just to be safe. Getting hit by cars is what a lot of them were trying to help against. Yeah. I saw an ad for Paws makeup kits, and I knew Paws mostly because they, P-A-A-S. Yeah. That's the kits I would buy to dye Easter eggs as a kid, mm-hmm. but I guess they also they made, branched out. they did makeup and stuff, and they were billing their makeup as safer than masks because it doesn't block your vision. Yeah. And that goes toward the not getting hit by a car thing. So a lot of these were local, but a big one that was nationwide, I don't know if it was just one year, but it just dazzled me. Yeah, me too. Which was... McDonald's would sell drinks with these thin aluminum sleeves on them. They called them safety cups. Safety cuffs, wasn't it? Yes, but I think they cuffs also... Cuffs that came on cups. Yes, exactly. And they were around the drink, but then you could take them off... Yeah, slide them off. ...and put them around your wrists. Hey, Ronald, what are those things you're wearing? My trick-or-treat safety cups. They're shiny aluminum foil with bright orange stripes, so they reflect light. Where'd you get them? Right at McDonald's. So then they showed all these children. So it's like a girl in a princess outfit with these fast food <laughs> drink Yeah. Cuffs. And my first thought was like safety's great and all, but like it messes up the whole vibe of the costume. They're pretty obnoxiously large. Yeah. And you're kind of wearing garbage. Yeah, for sure. It kind of <laughs> but my favorite part of the commercial that I saw for these was Ronald McDonald is hanging out with some kids, putting the cuffs on him, and he turns to the camera and he says... Because kids should be seen and not hurt. Yes, seen and not hurt. Fair enough. And it actually says on them, children should be seen and not hurt. Like that's printed on these cuffs. This Halloween, be sure you're all wearing McDonald's trick-or-treat safety cuffs. There was also a commercial with a Pizza Hut tie-in. And a scary voice comes on and goes, tell your parents where you're going and who's going with you. Mm -hmm. It's like that was what was safe then. Yes. And then there was this Duracell ad where it was promoting batteries for flashlights. My little goblins will be out long after dark, so I depend on Duracell batteries to light their way. But then down at the bottom was this disclaimer saying, young children should be accompanied on Halloween. So it's like they'd made the commercial. They're like, all right, guys, selling batteries for flashlights so kids won't get hit by cars. And then someone figured out, like, they shouldn't be out on a company. Maybe their legal department was like, we can't be encouraging people to send their children out alone with their flashlights. You got to tack something on at the end of this commercial. Yeah. And they're like, ah, shit. So just like, if we're just sort of following society through commercials, mm-hmm. around here was this sort of turning point from like safe to safer. Right. Children should be seen and not hurt. Speaking of McDonald's, part of why I thought of this as a topic was back when we did Halloween specials, I talked to some friends and I was like, what are some Halloween specials you remembered? And one friend was like, well, there was that McDonald's special. I seen remember when I was a little kid with like the McNuggets and he goes to the old castle. And I'm like, that was a commercial. commercial. You were watching a commercial. And he's like, no, no. And then uh, 
then they like got the like the dipping sauce and one the, the hair is real big. I'm like, yeah, yeah. that was like a, a <laughs> one minute commercial. <laughs> But he was young really enough, funny. and it was super entertaining to him, and it had a bit of a narrative. It was late one night in the castle of the Chicken McNuggets. Some of these ads for kids would start with, like, a title screen. Like, Ronald McDonald in Scared Silly, yeah. which is what it was called. Right. And then it's and like... it just became larger than life in his A solid mind. minute of puns. Yeah. Of just like, Ronald, what are you doing in this neck of the woods? <laughs> and then he goes to the castle, and all the McNuggets are in this mad scientist laboratory, but they're making different dipping sauces. And it's like, it's my mummy's recipe! And then her hair gets real big. And she's like, does your daddy have a recipe? Yeah. And everyone laughs. And it's just like of all the commercials, and there's a lot out there, that one's kind of like iconic and kind of stands out. Yeah. Just for, I don't know, good production values. It's jolly. All the monsters are friendly. Yeah. And about an inch tall. Yeah. It also had all the great tropes of what makes a Halloween commercial for a product that, you know, nuggets aren't Halloween-y. Yep. But you put in some fog, you put in a castle, you put in some good lighting. Not too scary for the kids. Yep. You got some knockoff versions of the Universal Monsters and uh, some good puns. What are you making? Sauce. We're using my mummy's recipe. Mummy. Uh oh. This better be good. It'll be great. Hmm. Does your daddy have a recipe? <laughs> this now McDonald's commercial had all the right ingredients. For a good Halloween commercial. And I really just, I didn't want to get through the conversation without mentioning the McDonald's Scared Silly. Because I think it really shines above the others. It does. Going on actually scary? And now maybe it's just me, because I'm afraid of zombies. Mm. But I don't know if you saw the Joe Piscopo. I did. Yeah. It was very Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. It's black and white. It's all the zombies want Bud Light. But just being chased into the farmhouse, it looks like a real... Night of the Living Dead. It looks well like Night produced. of the Living Dead. Yeah, it's yeah. cool. I know we're all scared of different things, and it's not like anybody's brains get eaten, but they are genuinely trying to like get in through all these like slats and yeah, just the angles and you know, I mean, the whole thing is only thirty seconds long, but it tells a great mini scary story. Reach for the less filling beer that tastes great, Miller Light. There's some very horror movie specific commercials as far as recreations. There was a Twix commercial where they recreated, but really well, the Frankenstein scene where he finds the little girl. He has two Twix and she's like, if you have two, you should share one. And so he rips his arm off and like leaves it with her. And so he's gone and she's just holding his dismembered arm. And it's like, Twix. Two for me. None for you. Very movie specific. There was that Bic Pen commercial where it's like Frankenstein stabbing himself out of the ice with a Bic Pen. Oh, yes, I did see that one. He was frozen in Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Hmm. And I think that's the only time he's been frozen. Yeah. But it's like, that's pretty specific. I feel like there are two options. Either that was directly referencing a time in a film when he was frozen, yeah. or they were just like brainstorming and came up with that scenario just not knowing, you know? Here Go and get me what I crave. There's one from the 70s where Frankenstein, it's a lovely commercial. The mad scientist tells him, go and get me what I crave. And he goes to like the grocery store and then comes back with orange soda. And huh. the clerk is just like, hey, buddy. He's not surprised that he's uh -huh. there. Like this sure. happens a lot. What he craved was orange soda. Yeah. Evening, Igor. But he calls him Igor. He's like, Igor, go get it. And at the end of Son of Frankenstein, 
Igor gets his brain put in the Frankenstein monster. Hmm. In all the sequels, they never really talk about it. You just sort of like, oh yeah, he's still got Igor's brain in him. But from there on, he's supposed to be Igor trapped in Frankenstein. Weird. They kind of stopped talking about it for good reason. Because we like Frankenstein better uh, than we like Igor. Uh-huh. But in this one, he actually says, Igor, go get me what I crave. It was just weirdly specific. Then there's the, the Honey Nut Cheerios commercial where they took the um, footage of the old hermit, but they replaced the hermit from Bride of Frankenstein mm. with the Honey Nut Cheerios B. Oh! Honey, good. And Frankenstein comes in and he's I like... I definitely saw that commercial but well before I saw that movie. Yeah. How funny. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah, I remember that. And he's like, mmm, good. That's right. And he's got, instead of holding like just a, a cup to drink, he's holding like a bowl of Honey Nut Cheerios. Oh, that makes me want Honey Nut Cheerios. Right? Pretty good. It's a special time of year, and Dunkin' Donuts is dressing up their donuts for the occasion. And here's the werewolf. Part of, as, as I try to, to get a lot out of a little in these commercials, if Halloween is the time when the spirit world and the world of the living mm -hmm. are closest together, these commercials went a long way towards promoting that theme of just this supernatural world with regular folks kind of meeting mm -hmm. at a Dunkin' Donuts mm -hmm. or a... And a lot of these would be like trick-or-treaters. Well, I've never been to a mad scientist castle, but I've definitely been a trick-or-treater. Yeah. And then there'd be these trick-or-treaters going to like mad scientist castles. Yeah. And such. Or just like in a bog with low fog. Yeah. So, and they often start with an, ah! Yes. There's Don't they? Yes. There's always like a werewolf baying at the moon. Um, lightning but no rain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is another big one. Yeah. There's no wrong way to eat a Reese's. Oh, I do enjoy an evening with a little light entertainment. But when your video heads get dirty, you lose your picture. Not a pretty sight. Some of these, and I don't know how many were for Halloween time, and how much was just him pushing products, but Vincent Price appeared in a lot of commercials. I used to be frightened by all the wine coolers I saw. I was scared I wouldn't pick the right one. The furthest back one I found on YouTube was one called No Jelly where it's just a peanut butter bar. Uh-huh. It's like, the peanut butter and jelly without the jelly. So, okay, so it's peanut butter. Okay. Pure, creamy peanut butter dotted with Krispies, covered with pure milk chocolate, but no jelly. An antique store for frightfully reasonable prices that won't scare you. <laughs> the game Stay Alive, which I used to actually play. It's like a marbles game. Was it spooky themed? No, but it is called Stay Alive. Right, so that's all the connection you need. Yeah. For Vincent Price to make sense. The American Dairy Association. It's frightfully simple. <laughs> Polaroid video cassette. Chips Ahoy. Cousin Subs. A Milwaukee chain of subs. You don't have to go to great lengths to find culinary quality. Just go to Cousins. Cousins will go to any lengths to give you quality. Tylax. To get your bath laboratory clean. He promoted the safe Halloween coupons for nice. Mr. Seals. Monster vitamins. I like that because it actually oh, has yeah. something to do with horror. Totally. Your children should get vitamins by eating right, but when they don't, mother, monsters and monsters plus iron sure help. It's like, my children love them, and he opens a trap door, and he's like, right, kids? As if he keeps all his children, like, locked in the basement. And they all shout out, right. Scrubbing mildew stains is a monstrous job, so instead, 
spray on Tyvek. I think there's probably a subset of people who would be like, yeah, isn't that sad? He just had to do a lot of commercials. And I kind of love it because he remained in people's hearts and minds. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he was destitute. I think mm-hmm. he loved to work. As other people from his generation of actors just sort of dropped off in relevance, he kept his name out there. The biggest thing that he said yes to, in my opinion, was the Thriller song. <laughs> Oh, so smart. Before Michael Jackson was as huge as he got after Thriller, someone had to come to him and be like, hey, remember the kid from Jackson 5? He wrote this spooky song. You want to record this little monologue? Sure. I'll come do it. Tim Burton's Vincent when he was still in in college. I mean, you say yes to uh, some duds. Sure. Sure. But you want to keep yourself relevant. Yeah. And just keep yourself working. Sure. Work begets work. And embracing what has made you famous yeah i think you know i think there are some people who try to run from it and then some people like you know cassandra peterson as elvira this is one character she did but it took off and so she's like okay i'll ride this wave like this is what my life is and it's not exactly what i planned or expected but i'm having fun and i'm gonna keep doing it as long as it's fun and she's still doing it she's over 60 you know it's great and i guess not taking yourself too seriously is a big part of it because when orson wells did commercials People would just like give him guff for it. Hmm. But when Vincent Price did commercials, it's like, yeah, Vincent it's Price. Cheeky fun. Yeah. Yeah. I love my garden, but I hate weeds. Even poisoning is too good for them. It leaves the roots and they sometimes resurrect themselves. What you need is something far more sinister. This is one of my favorites. I'd never seen this before I did a little research. For Citibank, with all the money you save. It's like, this is what Vincent bought with all the money he saved. And it just pans over to him in front of a bug zapper, which was kind of the new thing Mm. at the time. Yeah, we had one. Yeah, so Uh did I. And he's just watching bugs get zapped. He goes, isn't it wonderful? (laughs) That is something that Vincent Price would love. And um, for Century 21, they were showing them a haunted house. And at the end, he's like, it's perfect. (laughs) So my Vincent Price impersonation... Is more just the impersonation of Bill Hader. Oh, of course. Same. From Saturday Night Live. 100%. And let's let this flawless segue. You're killing the segues tonight, pun intended. Take us into (laughs) great Saturday Night Live Halloween sketches. Let's see who's at the door. I hope it's not a pirate and a spooky spaceman. Should we kick it off with the Vincent Price's Halloween special of it all? Yes. Bill Hader is a great impressionist. Wonderful. But I think a lot of his quality impressions, I saw him give an interview. He talks about Lauren Michaels asking him if he's got anybody, like, relevant. Because he's Mm. like, yeah, I've got this great bit with Alan Alda. And he's like, I do a really great Keith Morrison from Dateline. Which, by the way, who is wildly popular, and for those of us who care, is is incredibly funny. But not everyone, you know? It's not like he does an impression of Brad Pitt or Tom Cruise. or it's, It's all very, like, very specific and kind of niche. And he does Vincent Price, and he, yes. he does him really well. And he does him as a certain type of character, which is Vincent Price as a like beleaguered TV show special host who is part like the characters he plays and part just like a Hollywood workhorse just trying to get by yeah. and corral all these crazy, crazy celebrities kooky. and bemoaning when things don't work. Let's go to our pumpkin. Step one, carve a hole. Step two, wait behind it. Liberace! <laughs> the thorn in his side is Liberace. He's just this lascivious, like, sex-crazed, yeah. you know. Is that your thing now, Liberace? Oh, my God. 
man, shout out to Fred Armisen as Liberace. Yeah. The way he moves his arms as he's playing the piano, which is he's just flinging his arms into the air. Save your sassy so aside for your windowless bars. <laughs> And it, and it gave other members of SNL and guest hosts opportunities to play. Um, John Hamm was on twice. Oh, as, he plays uh, JFK. JFK and James Mason. No spaceman costume, James? No, didn't even open the box. Too old-fashioned. The suit was too old-fashioned? No, I had two old-fashions and I couldn't open the box. I've been drunk since 11 a.m., Price. And uh, Kristen Wiig was both Katherine Hepburn and Gloria Swanson. And, and she was Judy Garland. And Judy Garland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she's doing a, oh, what a wonderful party. You know, her mouth is very drawn, and she's got that mid-Atlantic accent, and it's just so intense. I'm a intense. pirate. Ah. I'm a pirate. Ah. <laughs> um, and her, her Judy Garland is just wonderful. And I just want to think gift. your hands are made of sand. <laughs> and he tries to take it seriously. Like, are you asking me? <laughs> you don't want to put the brakes on that one? Oh, gosh. Yes, I think it's objectively funny, but if you've seen any of these, the actors that they're impersonating, you know, yeah. of old Hollywood, it's well, even it, funnier. Yeah. Mark Gable, what brings you by the most evil, demon-plagued residence in the entire city of Burbank? Diamond Town making a little film called The Misfits with Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe, how lovely. Yes, I hope it's a long shot, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yes, I unfortunately do. <laughs> Moving on! Let, let, me, uh, let me go back in time. The Jaws 2, which, by the way, parodies, I think, used to just, like, make themselves sequels. And then the real sequels would come out. Hmm. And then the parodies are kind of weird. Mm-hmm. But, oh, uh, sure. Jaws 2 was a sketch in the fourth episode ever. Landshark. Holy cow. I don't know this. You don't know Landshark? No. Oh, my gosh. I don't. Well, it'd just be like a woman in her apartment. And it would be like, knock, knock, knock. Candy Graham. Candy Graham? Pl- plumber, ma'am. It was, it was Chevy Chase doing, uh-huh. doing the voice of the Landshark. And it was like... What's a land shark? Well, it was just this like... Literally a shark on the land? Well, yeah. And oh. like the woman would answer the door and this big sort of foam rubber shark would just like come and get her. Huh. And then they, they'd cut away to um, Aykroyd and Belushi playing Brody and, and Richard Dreyfus. Yeah. And he gets out like a Richard Dreyfus impersonation. And then it's like a new setup and it's just like, knock, knock, knock. Flowers, ma'am. You're that land shark. I'm just a dolphin, ma'am. <laughs> And then she opens the door and, like, she gets them. That's very odd and funny. And shark. <laughs> oh, Walter. <laughs> Land shark. <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis hosted. In her monologue, she uh, screams, because that's what's expected of her. That's right. I couldn't find it, but she was in a, a sketch about, like, oh, it's a horror movie sketch about clothespins. And, like, she answers the door and someone's covered in clothespins. <laughs> and it just drops. And she's like, no! And then there's a giant clothespin comes out of a hamper. And I just remember her fighting with it and going, not my breast! And it's like, <laughs> she's, like, manipulating it toward her own breast. But oh, that's funny. She's, like, fighting this clothespin. But I sent you horror musical rehearsal, where, as herself, she plays someone in a musical. Yeah. And she's like, I'm trying to change my image. And it's just, like, a, a slasher musical. Yeah. That was pretty fun. Guys came out with like chainsaws. She's the best. I'll get it. Don't worry about a thing. Trick or treat. Oh my God. My God. I'm going top part. Forward to 1991. Okay, this was for Halloween. Matt Foley, the motivational yes. speaker. I was laughing so hard. I was in the bedroom 
like Alec was watching something in the living room and I was laughing so hard. He came in to see what I was laughing at and I was like, come over here, you know? And so I made him watch it with me. And the, you're also watching the other actors trying not to laugh. Oh yeah. When you watch a Matt Foley sketch. Yeah. So the premise of this one is that they've been out doing some pranks on people on Halloween yeah. night and their dad is like, I brought this guy in to set you guys straight. Motivational speaker. Motivational Matt speaker Foley. Matt Foley, who comes up from the basement and does his thing. And if anyone, I know we have some young listeners. If you have not seen this character, if you want a real appreciation for Chris Farley and what he was best at, this what character is so of. good. It's such a great combination of like performative comedy, like. He's so funny acting-wise, but the combination of that with the physical comedy is like oh, yeah. fever pitch levels of hilarity. He's so funny. Count, once again, we want to thank you for your hospitality. Yes, are you sure we're not imposing by staying the night? Oh, not at all. I find your company most delightful. 94 was a very interesting cast year. Who was it? They brought on, well, among other people, like Chris Elliott. Oh, sure. Who was already well-established. Like, usually they just get fresh faces out of, like, Second City. Yeah. But Chris Elliott had already had his own TV show. Hmm. Michael McKeon, I think, oh. came on as, like, the oldest cast member. Janine Garofalo was part oh, of the yeah. cast. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know Kevin Nealon was still on because he's in this sketch. But don't you think there's something weird about the guy? He's a little eccentric. Oh, he's a little more than eccentric, Connie. I mean, put it together. John Travolta, who's had a... Uh, whatever he gets up to in his own life, has certainly had uh, gay rumors about him. Oh, yeah, that's why I found this sketch so interesting. And I, I guess maybe it was like a response to those or Let's unrelated. Say. Who knows? But, yeah, it's a sketch where they're in Dracula's castle and John Travolta's Dracula is very... Um, it's almost like Karloff. A little bit, yeah. We're going to be fast friends. Yes, yes, yeah. there's a bit of a list. He doesn't do the Lugosi no. Dracula. He, yeah. he does it like a Karloff, Yeah. how he would have sounded as Dracula. Sure. And by the way, he was hot stuff off of Pulp Fiction. Oh, yeah. Which was, this was October. This was the Halloween episode. Pulp Fiction was like June mm -hmm. before that. So he's wow. on fire and then comes in to play Dracula, not as a gay Dracula, but as someone defending himself. That um, he's not gay. That he's not gay. Yeah. Because they're like, yeah, Do you all... think he's not gay? Dracula. Oh. His Dracula. His Dracula. I kind of thought no, like I, he is and was trying to deny it. Oh, I, I thought he wasn't, but was going so far out of his way that being a vampire just took such a quick back seat to him trying to defend himself. So, uh, how long have you and Redfield been together? Well, now, what do you mean by that? Um, how long has he been your companion? What are you implying? That Renfield and I are lovers? That's absurd. First of all, he is my servant. And secondly, we're not gay. I mean, I am a man of many secrets, but humping a mental defective is not one of them. How fast all of his vampire ways just take a complete back seat yeah. to his then defending himself against or the accusation. Or not even take a back seat, but like support their argument that he like, seems gay. Like he has this live-in partner of... Renfield. Yeah. And then the Wolfman comes in as like a gay character. Yes, he's very... He's like, just... They're not I'm even... I'm the world's biggest pest. Don't mind me. I'm sorry. I just came in to pick up some stuff from the kitchen. And he gets so into it. He's like, look, look, look. Playing cards with naked women on them. Why would I have this? <laughs> and he just kicks them out. And, and there's a really there's, funny joke about, like, he turns into the, a bat. And I didn't Renfield know there were gay a, bats. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had never seen it, and it was very delightful, for sure. So here we stand in total darkness in the room of a small boy who suffocated in this very armoire. Do you have a name? Are you here with us? Why do you cry out? 
speak to us, let your presence be known. If you can hear us, give us a sign. It was 2006, Hugh Laurie, he's a ghost hunter that like farts. Oh and, no, and does his... he scare the ghosts away with his farts? No, but his, his crew, this is a real take on those ghost hunting shows. Okay, his... they were pretty popular in 2006. Yeah, and his crew was like, we got it on tape, let's listen to it. <laughs> I think it's saying, you know, it's like, let's listen to it slow You're motion. you EVP of his slow motion yeah. farts? Yeah, so it's, like, <laughs> it's like, and again, it's someone just trying to cover something else up. Uh-huh. It sounded more like a, like a, like a very fat bug. Just flew into the window pane. That's what it sounded like to that me. That was not a bug. Everyone, listen to it again. I love, not just in sketches, when an unflappable character gets flapped. Yeah. And so he's another one of those. And he's yeah. like, well, let's go to another room. I think I felt something over there. It's like, yeah. no, no, no. We've got, we've got a thermal camera. Oh, no. Showing the spirit. And, like, you see the fart. The like, hot fart emerge from his butt. Yeah. And, <laughs> and they're all trying to, like, decipher what it's saying. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. That's very funny. I'm sad I did not see that. The Clinton Halloween Party, 2007, where Obama comes in at the end to the Clinton's Halloween I Party. I did see that one. Not even yet the Democratic nominee, but he was pretty hot stuff. Oh, yeah. He was already kind of a political celebrity. But he came in wearing an, a, Obama, mask. an Obama mask and then took it off as Obama. Yeah. Got out like two good lines and then got to he say. He got to say live, live from, from New York. York at Saturday night. Yeah, that was really fun. I yeah. also particularly enjoyed in that sketch how everyone kept saying that Hillary Clinton was dressed as a witch. Yeah. They're like, nice witch costume. I'm actually a bride. Oh, okay. Now I see it. Yeah. All in how you wear it, I guess. I sent a sketch to you. The official title of the sketch is Happy Halloween. What? Aren't you a little old to be trick-or-treating? Wait, is 43 too old to be in the Halloween spirit? And by spirit, I don't mean ghost. Heck, I'm not that old. What? John Hamm is handing out Halloween candy, and it, this all takes place on his, like, front porch, his stoop. The whole conceit is, he's like, well, what's your costume? He's like, I'm a registered sex offender. And he's like, I'm sorry, you're a registered sex offender as your Halloween costume? He's like, I am a registered sex offender on Halloween. Yeah. And he's like, I'm he's so dancing sorry. Around yeah, and it. he's like, by the way, as a part of my costume, will you please sign this piece of paper? So he's using it to yeah. get people signatures that he's told his neighbors that he's a sex offender, which he's legally required to do. And I find it so hilarious. I just think the conceit of the sketch is so funny, and yeah. I don't know who came up with it, but it makes me really giggle. And, and Will Forte is firing on all cylinders. Will Forte is so funny. He's got yeah. the creepy, like, pedophile glasses on, and like, the, like the, the creepy outfit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that, yeah. That we come to associate. <laughs> yeah, for whatever reason. The tan windbreaker. Absolutely hilarious. I love that one. Wait. I wanted to mention a sketch from 2014 that I had not seen. I guess this one wasn't that popular. I thought it was so freaking funny and weird. You come here on the worst of nights. Say hello to our graveyard fight. This couple walks into a graveyard and some of the headstones and like ghosts and trees come to life and they're singing for them. They do and it's sort of like a grim grinning ghost. We sing the chorus of the dead. It's all very orchestrated and beautiful. But then... These two ghosts screw everything up, Paul and, Phil. and their names are Paul and Phil, and it's Jim Carrey who was the host, yeah. and I forget the other actor. It's one of the people I'm not. Oh, it's Taron Killam. Taron Killam, yeah. He plays either Paul or Phil. Yeah. A couple of dead guys. 
We hail from the Hawkeye State. Paul and Phil. Phil and Paul. Can, can you guess who's who? We'll never tell. Yes, we will. I'm Paul. I guess I'm Phil. Now you know who's Paul, who's Phil. Paul and Phil. Paul come Phil. But. I had just seen that sketch after watching like a run of sketches where the joke was that someone was a pervert. Uh-huh. So I was expecting, just because they had mustaches, and that's what I've just seen a lot of, I was expecting like something lascivious to come out of Paul and Phil. Uh-huh. But in fact, the, the joke was they were just two all shucks guys who just loved what they were doing so much they accidentally ruined everything. Uh, are, are Paul and Phil like a part of this? Because I'm not scared of Paul and Phil. One of them is like, I died while chasing a butterfly off a cliff. And they just look like regular dudes. And not perverts, which is the direction I thought they'd be going. Right. They're just happy-go-lucky guys who uh, ruin a graveyard song. Not understanding how to rhyme or like sing along and participate. They just jump in and start singing stupid things about themselves. And it's such a silly premise. And I love that, like, the other ghosts who are, like, the stone busts on the tombstones and Kenan Thompson is... Uh, He's a haunted tree. Yes. They're like, we're being spooky. And my understanding is, like, they think that if things just go well, they'll really spook these people who are not scared at all, by the way. The teenagers who have come to the graveyard are just yeah. like, can we go now? And they're like, we have one more song to sing for you. The riddle. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. yes. It's a riddle that Paul and Phil ruin. What has no legs? What has a face with no eyes to gaze? What can strike? Oh, it's a claw! so iconic i kind of forgot about it it's the halloween sketch of all halloween sketches as far as i'm concerned probably so yeah and i think it was just this great alchemy of things i'm sure they'd never know what's gonna hit yeah. but like this this was just like an idea that seemed fun i'm sure to them yeah. and people lost their minds over it including which is me. david pumpkins and the sketch was called haunted elevator Right. Featuring David Pumpkins. It wasn't even called David Pumpkins. You if know, they it, kind of bury the lead if there. If it wasn't Tom Hanks, if it was someone who was just kind of hip and up for anything, uh-huh. I don't think it would have worked. It is a particular kind of alchemy. All but the elements coming together. That it was this recognized acting legend, workhorse, Tom Hanks. Yeah. And I think importantly, an older guy who is willing to do whatever they wanted him to do and threw himself into it. It's yeah. the weirdest thing. It could have played terribly it might not have been that funny but because he has that dumb grin on his face and is aggressively friendly he never does anything wrong no but he's just doing his own thing and the skeletons are part of it right and so the sketch speaks for itself he doesn't want anything from them i think he kind of wants to scare them yeah but uh, i guess i'm just trying to go back to the old thing i was just saying like so many of these sketches fall back on perverts mm, sure or someone with a with a hidden agenda mm, mm-hmm. or, yeah or, or something the, the hallmark thing about like, david pumpkins is as the guy said he's like i'm so in the weed with david pumpkins right now he can't <laughs> understand him what is the purpose yeah, of this what is he is he a recognizable character i'm david pumpkins and I'm gonna scare the hell out of you. So they're on this ride, 100 Floors of Frights, Haunted Elevator. Yeah. And Keenan Thompson is the elevator operator. He's wearing like a spooky old timey bellhop uniform. Yeah. And, and he's then, like, Floor 23. And then the doors open. And it's Tom Hanks with like a 
Well, after uh, a couple of things. Yeah, yeah after a bit of that are like, scary. ooh, scary. And they're like, oh, very frightening. In just a, what they could just run down to the, the drugstore and buy, which was this like black suit with tie with just orange pumpkins all over it. Yeah. Which then flew off the shelves. Like a lot the, of the David Pumpkins. Day. This was 2016. I went to a Halloween party less than a week later. There was a David Pumpkins there. He'd made his own because buying a suit was like impossible mm-hmm. after that sketch. Everyone bought them. He'd like just put the pumpkins onto a black suit. But that he also got two people to be the skeletons. And I'm like, both you guys already had costumes. Mm. I'm sure of it. Mm-hmm. But sacrifice those costumes. Whatever time and money they spent yeah. on those costumes. Yeah. Well, it's too good to Ditched be a b-boy skeleton. To back up another guy's costume, if that guy was David Pumpkins. Yeah, but they got to dance. Yep. That's a fun costume. Yeah, but they, they, like, if they wandered off, they were just some like weird skeleton guy. Yeah, maybe not to, like, in 2016. In 2016, if they did it right, people would knew. know who they were. Yeah, for sure. Scared and speechless. Oh, no, no, I'm just trying to wrap my head around... David Pumpkins? I mean, are we supposed to know who that is? Yeah, it was just a guy in a pumpkin suit with two b-boy skeletons. I don't get how that's scary. And they just dance for a little bit to the song and then go, any questions? Yes. Yes. Several. Many questions. And then he keeps coming back and, and another joke is that he's like, how many floors is David Pumpkins on? And he's like, 73 out of 100. He's like, <laughs> why did you go all in on David Pumpkins? Yeah. It's glorious. On his own, he wouldn't have worked, but you needed the people like reacting to just like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. That's key. If it was just David Pumpkins being David Pumpkins, it wouldn't have right. flown. And they acknowledge how weird it is, yeah. but it's just aggressively friendly and weird. What's my name? David S. Pumpkins. So it was such a success that they, the following year, yeah. made a David S. Pumpkins. So last year, 2017, a David S. Pumpkins cartoon animated Halloween special that's about 18 minutes long narrated by Peter Dinklage yes um, who does a fantastic job and his character is telling a story of when he was a kid and he had a very magical Halloween where he met David Pumpkins and it's wonderful if you haven't seen it it's so charming I suppose seeing the sketch is a prerequisite but like it really becomes its own thing I think it has so many of the things that a great Halloween special have. It's very charming. It has a nice message. It's also very kooky and silly. Are you a ghost or what are you? My own thing. And since you picked the magic pumpkin, I'm yours for Halloween. What? I just couldn't love it more. I think it's so fun and really classic. Like, they they really did a good job making it feel like a classic Halloween special. And you know that Marshall and I love those. See our Halloween specials episode. Please do. Yeah. And good people, there's, this is episode 74. Five of those episodes are Halloween based. Yeah. Something like that. And a lot of them are good for the season or good anytime. Oh, when ghosts have got to buy the score. Ring your bell or pound your door. Better not be stingy or your nightmares will come true. Cat. Marshall. That was another Halloween episode. Yeah, it was. I, uh... The thing is, I've mm. done a lot of Halloweening, as you said, from September to now. So much so that I'm, I'm getting a little exhausted. I'm having fun, but it's tiring. You may need an intermission. I've had yeah. Octobers over the last five, six years we've been doing the podcast that have not been as heavily Octobery. But one thing we can count on oh. is sitting down to record 
a fun festive episode of Boys and Ghouls where we talk about the things that we love about Halloween. Mm. We get to share research with each other and with our listeners. So I love knowing. I think that's a really bright spot in all this. That no matter how Feast or famine. crazy life is for us, whether we're sick or busy or not able to do the things we want to do, we have a place we come together. We talk about Halloween and for just a few hours. It's dripping with October and Halloween. And that's something to be thankful for, even though it's not Thanksgiving yet. It's not Thanksgiving yet. <laughs> Let's go out on that. Yeah, it's not. If you want to reach us and send us a little happy Halloween of your own, you can reach us at boysandghouls at gmail.com. If anybody can ever find the James Woods Dracula sketch from SNL that I can never find, send that to me at boysandghouls at gmail.com. Or you can tweet it at us, DM us on Twitter, send us a DM on Instagram, comment on our Instagram. However you want to reach us, we're there. Or find us on Tumblr. Or find us on Pinterest. Or just find us at boysandghouls.podbean.com. Or however you listen to the show. You seem to have found it on your own just fine. But enough my yakking. Cat, any uh, Halloween advice? Beware the Halloween moon. Now that we've seen the last of Dracula, the wolf man and the monster, there's nobody to break us anymore. Oh, that's too bad. I was hoping to get in on the excitement. Who said that? Allow me to introduce myself. I'm the invisible man. <laughs> <laughs> And now we return to our graves, the old and the new, and you may join us soon.